The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for being with us on a very important show here on Winning Ponies because it is Breeders' Cup weekend. Starts on Friday and will go through Saturday. You'll be able to catch it on a lot of the NBC outlets, uh, some of the early races on the Sports Network, and then, of course, on regular NBC on uh, Saturday for some of the bigger races. Um, want to remind everybody that this is the time of the year that we do at Winning Ponies have a Breeders' Cup uh, contest for you. And uh, so si- sign up. It's totally free. Uh, you uh, make your, your selections up until 11.30 a.m. on Saturday. So go to winningponies.com. Uh, first prize, $200 cold cash. Uh, after that, we're going to let you get a whole bunch of easy win forms. Uh, second will get $75 worth. Third, 50 Fourth, 25 And if you uh, finish fifth or sixth, or pick the final time, closest final time of the Breeders' Cup Classic, you'll get a really cool ball cap from winning pony so it's free go to the site sign up all the details are right there um we try to get guests from coast to coast and in the middle so uh we're going to start out on the east coast with the daily racing forms dan illman then we're going to go out to las vegas with rich ing and we're going to end it up right at Keeneland with none other than multiple Eclipse Award winning writer Jenny Reese, who uh, broke some uh, recent news this week, and I'll let her make the announcement. Um, just a, a great week uh, d- down at Keeneland, actually a great last 24 hours. It started out with the uh, National Turf Writers and Broadcasters uh, Awards, the Main award getter was American Pharaoh and his team, and the whole team was there, including uh, Bob Baffert and his son and, and wife, and uh, both of the, the Zayats were there. Uh, Mr. Barnes, who's probably closest to uh, American Pharaoh, and uh, it was just really a heartfelt presentation from all of them. They all got a chance to say something, but... Uh, Mr. Zayed at the end, uh, unbeknownst to anyone, announced that he was going to award a $100,000 award to the NTWAB that they could give out probably in uh, breaks of five, 20000 each, to up-and-coming writers. And he thanked all the writers and all the people that helped get behind American Pharaoh and helped bring the eyes of the nation back on the sport, which obviously we've seen all year long. 
uh, with, with the ratings have just been absolutely through the roof. So uh, that that was just a marvelous part of the evening. Now, they were the last ones to get the awards. Uh, before that, Kathy Shank, who for 30 years has won the Keeneland Library, got hers. Uh, Tom Hammond won the uh, Jim McKay Award for saluting excellence in broadcasting. Tim Layton, of course, uh, from Sports Illustrated, kind of talked about his roots from Schenectady and Albany, New York. Uh, he got the career excellence in turf racing. And very close to my heart, it was the inaugural Bill Mooney Award for displaying courage in the face of tremendous adversity. And Bill was just marvelous. Uh, as you know, we have talked with Bill, and uh, he is uh, has incurable cancer. Uh, you wouldn't know it. He looks pretty good, uh, but the doctors aren't giving him too much time, and uh, he's done nothing but uh, be positive and uh, you know stay in touch with his friends and encourage other people. So uh, hats off to a very close personal friend, Bill Mooney, for the inaugural Bill Mooney Award. Then there was a surprise at the end. Uh, Alicia Wentz-Hughes, who was helping to host it, uh, came up with Claire Novak and Nicole Russo, and from out of the audience, they called up none other than Jenny Reese, who's going to be on the show this evening. And uh, they gave Jenny a, a new award because Jenny is kind of reinventing herself. And she did announce last week that she is going to be leaving the Courier-Journal, leaving only one full-time turf writer in North America. And that was, or will be now, Alicia Wentz-Hughes. So, uh we're going to talk to Jenny about her retirement, and we're going to talk to her about the Breeders' Cup and her coverage of it over the years. Now, latest breaking news, if you haven't heard it already, if you've been away from your computer, is that Beholder will not face American Pharaoh or any other contestants in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, she... Oh, had a routine gallop, and following that, they found some um, blood in her trachea and a bit of lung irritation. So uh, she's been checked and rechecked. Uh, ever since she got there, you know, she spiked a little fever. And the nice thing is that uh, Spencer owner B. Wayne Hughes never put any pressure on Richard Mandela to try to uh, get her to the race. He said if she's not 100% at any point in time, uh, you scratch her. Now, because of that scratch, American Pharaoh's morning line odds have been lowered, okay? Our friend uh, Mike Battaglia has now made American Pharaoh 4 to 5 from 6 to 5. Of course, Beholder was going to be the main speed challenge in the race. It'll be interesting to see if anybody uh, elects to go with it again. You know, uh, Jose Lescano did try... Uh, with Frosted and uh, ended up running third in the Travers, but that might have taken something off American Pharaoh and set it up for Keen Ice. But it'll be very interesting now because American Pharaoh could be the lone speed in there without Beholder to press him because the word on the street was Beholder was going to giddy up and go. So uh, we're going to talk to Dan Elman and Rich about how this changes the complexion of, of the race because it certainly will. Uh, the New odds are Tonalist four to one, Keen Ice eight to one, Frosted twelve to one, as I stated, American Pharaoh four to five, 
Glen Eagles, the European Invader, 20 to 1, FNX, 20 to 1, Smooth Roller, 12 to 1, Hard Aces, 3 to 1, and Honor Code, looks like he's in the third spot right now at 5 to 1. I can tell you, I saw several of these horses roll this morning. American Pharaoh, they decided to use the poly track training track down at Keeneland to get him prepped for the race. And, man, he was jumping out of his skin. He looked fantastic. Uh, he gave his exercise rider every bit of it that he could. And just at the end of that, because most of the press and the people followed American Pharaoh back, the last uh, two to uh, to go out there were Dale Roman's trainees. And let me tell you, Keen Ice looked very, very good. As a matter of fact, he almost mirrored American Pharaoh's route in that about the second time around, he was tugging the rider out of the saddle. It was a, a very impressive gallop by Keen Ice. Also, uh, Brody's Cause went out at the same time. I wasn't quite as impressed with Brody's Cause, to be to be honest with you. But uh, nonetheless, those were some of the things I saw at Keeneland today. Honor Code looks fantastic. He went out oh, just about in the dark. But uh, he put a huge run. Now, there was a lot of water on the main track, which I'm sure had something to do with sending those horses off to the training track. Uh, but Honor Code looks fantastic on, on the main course. Also, looking at uh, other national news, uh, we talked a lot about American Pharaoh, about, about his stable mate. That's right, Dortmund, he is back. Now, Ed and I did handicap the Twilight Derby at Santa Anita. The next race was the $75,000 Big Bear. And uh, in the race, it was the return of Dortmund, and very, very impressive. It was a one-mile race, and uh, Dortmund kind of let him go on for a little bit and then absolutely just floored him. So, while we're going to lose American Pharaoh, it looks like uh, Dortmund from the uh, Baffert Barn will be keeping us entertained next year. Again, I talked about handicapping the race with uh, Ed Meyer. I know uh, my big favorite and everybody's favorite in here was Am. It'll be interesting to see uh, Ron Hendricks obviously going to keep this three-year-old Colton trainings. Gary Stevens, the pilot, an easy win wire-to-wire in the grade two Twilight Derby at Santa Anita. And then we wanted to get a Keeneland race in to get ready for the Breeders' Cup, and we selected the Pin Oak Valley View, and it was uh, Ed's selection getting the job done, and that was Tiger Ride off at 6-1. to one. Four wide, game in the lane, held off all challengers. So that's a look at the late-breaking news from Keeneland and a wrap-up of the races we handicapped last week. want to get to a commercial break as soon as I can because I want to come back with one of my favorite cappers, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, one of my favorite regular guests, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. I just told him I was with several of his contemporaries last night at the National Turf Writers and Broadcasters Awards Banquet. Uh, Jay Hobday, Jay Privman, Mark Simon, uh, Marketing Director Mandy Minger, the, the, whole, the whole crew was there. We missed you, but somebody's got to anchor DRF Live in New York, Dan. Well, it's great that you got to see everybody down at Keeneland. I wish I was down there, but the second best place in the world to be for me will be DRF Live. Mike Beer and I will be hosting beginning tomorrow, 2 p.m. Eastern, and then Saturday we'll be on 10.30 a.m., and we'll take you all the way through the classic. So, of course, it's, it's the most exciting time of the year, save for the first Saturday in May for the Kentucky Derby. But this Breeders' Cup, uh, John, I tell you, there are some wonderful, wonderful betting races. And and the great thing, and for our audience to pay attention to this, is because there are so many great races and the eyes of the nation and the pockets of the nation are going to be involved, this is where you can really make some nice bets and get value. You're not betting six-horse fields at a small track uh, with a small pool. There's, the nation's money is in there, and this is really where you can you search out some value. And I'm going to tap on you for that because uh, you just uh, penned a column called some Breeders' Cup price plays. We'll get to that. But right now, the big headlines are they're, in, they're doing the right thing with Beholder. They're scratching her from the race, but I, as a matter of fact, I was listening to you and Mike the other day saying pretty much how the race was going to set up, and it was going to be American Pharaoh getting the clean break from mid-pack, and despite Beholder's outside position, she'd probably go right after him. Yeah, American Pharaoh really doesn't need much of an edge, but with Beholder out, his pace advantage, which was sizable with Beholder even in the race, it becomes even more sizable. And when you have the best horse and he has the best pace situation, that horse most likely uh, wins. And American Pharaoh is way the horse to beat. We know that. He is the best pace situation. Uh, you know, you have to use a horse like American Pharaoh. You can't let the Triple Crown winner knock you out of any sort of multiple race bets. Uh, if you're thinking about trying to upset him, I think Tonalist is coming into this race very well. I understand Anyone who is afraid that Tonalist is not going to get the pace he needs, I am just hoping that from this inside post, John Velasquez will have him a bit closer to the pace. The X factor for the last two weeks has been smooth roller, hasn't he? Because he's left a lot of people scratching their heads the way he's been trained. Uh, he hasn't uh, worked. He's barely galloped. He 
he hasn't gotten out of a jog pretty much in the last week, and red flags have to be going all over the place. But anyone that saw him win the awesome again realizes that this is a horse with some talent, untapped potential, and while the American pharaohs and frosteds and keen ices and tonalists and honor codes have been through all the wars this year, this is a relatively fresh horse. You could fool around with him in the exotics, but with uh, Beholder out of the race, American pharaohs' pace advantage is even greater. Yeah, and they're going to they're be shooting for him. There's no doubt about it. I will tell you, I did get to see two horses go this morning. Keen Ice uh, galloped relatively by himself. He was one of the last horses on the training track. And his uh, effort mirrored that of American Pharaoh, where he was just trying to take the exercise rider out of the saddle. As a matter of fact, they didn't let Tammy Fox ride him, because I don't know if you saw the video from last week when he worked at Churchill. The outrider had to go catch him because Tammy couldn't pull him up, and he didn't catch him until they were past the kitchen at Churchill Downs. So this guy that was on today was a pretty big guy, and he was having trouble holding keen ice. And what was very dark and, and very early, I have to say, honor code looks fantastic, came rolling down the lane, and boy, uh, Shug's done a great job of keeping him on edge. Certainly has, and I know a lot of folks were questioning why did Shug run him in the Kelso instead of in the Jockey Club Gold Cup, a race with much more prestige, a race at the mile and a quarter distance, because that is a bit of a question mark with Honor Code. Can he sustain that late rally at this longer distance? But perhaps that mile race in the Kelso, and he might not have gotten a ton out of it, it was a wet track, maybe it sharpened him up just a little bit, and maybe he'll be a little bit closer to the pace this time around, because I'm not sure he can catch American Pharaoh, if he's spotting that horse, you know, 7, 8, 10, 12 lengths and an easy lead. But he is an immensely talented racehorse. He was. And just for our listeners' sake, it was wet this morning. There was water on top of the main track. And I think that's why a lot of the horses deferred to the poly track training track. Now, in just a few hours I was there leading up to the first race, the track ended up being fast. They did a great job. They got a fantastic draining system. Tomorrow's supposed to be sunny and windy all day long, which should keep the track dry. And right now, it looks like rain's coming into the Lexington, but late in the day, and we're all praying every time you get a report, they're pushing it back about another half an hour, that we will have a dry track for the Classic. I hope that's the case. Yeah, I'm hoping it's fast. And as the weather, as you mentioned, the weather. Uh seems fairly promising. As for the turf course, I think it'll be good. I'm not sure if it'll be really soft or yielding. Obviously, we've had a ton of rain at Keeneland over the last five, six days or so, but there's been some nice breezy, cool conditions. I think we'll have a good turf course and hopefully fair for all of the horses, Europeans and North Americans alike. Well, from everything I saw, you know, from looking out, I've been watching, they were out there kind of replacing divots, and they, they canceled uh, workouts on it until just a couple days ago where they just let horses breeze very much towards the middle to the outside of the track. So as most people know, that does give a little bit of edge to the Euros. And I'll tell you what, they haven't dodged some of these big grass races. I don't know if some of those are on your Breeders' Cup price plays, but, Dan, if you'd share a few of those with us, uh, well, I'll turn my Bible to that page and see what you're talking about. 
Well, let's start things off with tomorrow's distaff. It's a wonderful race. It's a shame, of course, that the reigning champion untappable is out. Todd Fletcher holds a very strong hand, I would say, as three runners. Got lucky. You just won the uh, spinster at Keeneland. Has the race over the track. The very classy stop charging Maria. I prefer the most lightly raced of the trio, and that is Carolina. Caroline is a three-year-old filly, and she showed in the acorn that she has a ton of ability. Because if you remember that one-turn race on the Belmont undercard, she was smashed coming out of the gate, rushed up to press five wide, was all in with about two and a half furlongs to go, and she gutted that race out. And they stretched around for the coaching club American Oaks at Saratoga, and she really dug down deep to go after I'm a chatterbox. After that one was able to get to a fairly easy lead, she really showed a lot of heart and determination and she was eventually placed first via disqualification in that spot. I think those two races took a toll on her because she did take a backward step in the Alabama race that didn't have a lot of pace, and she just seemed dull. Her last race to me, when she chased Wedding Toast, the probable favor for the distaff, to me that race just looked like a perfect prep. Wedding Toast got loose over a speed-friendly track. Carolina tracked in second. She came out. She made her run. I liked the way she galloped out. To me, that race was just the perfect prep. She didn't have to do too much. I think there's going to be a lot more pace to set her up this time around, and I think there's a lot of upside. She's 12 to 1 on the line, and that's a very interesting price for me, Carolina. Yeah, and uh, without a doubt, I, I, I think Wedding Toast, deservedly so, will probably get favoritism. Uh, her buyer speed figures and her current form is, is just fantastic. I heard a couple guys in the press box even saying, you know, with Beholder not running and should Wedding Toast dominate that field, would uh, people – consider her for an Eclipse Award older mare. Oh, there's no doubt about it. If she wins, she's champion older mare. And it's been a really strong division. I, obviously, you have Beholder. I mean, she might end up being the champion older mare. Let's be honest about that. But if a Wedding Toast wins, she certainly puts her name in the finalist discussion. Uh, and sure, Drama's had a wonderful year as well. It's a tough post position for her. Well... In, in, in my looking here with head-scratching upsets, uh, I see that you've got a couple, too, in uh, the juvenile turf, the juvenile Phillies turf, uh, juvenile Phillies. I mean, it, it's hard to get a line on these, uh, particularly the ones going on the grass with horses coming over from Europe. Oh, certainly. And in the column, I mentioned that these are price plays that you can fool around with. Uh, you, these are spread races, the juvenile turf and the juvenile Phillies turf. You can easily go three or four deep. And in these multiple race wagers where you're going to get big pools and gigantic payouts, it probably pays to take the old Steve Chris tactic. It's not really a pick X, whether it's a pick three, pick four, pick five, pick six. It's more along the lines of an avoid one. Avoid one loser. Use as many horses as you can that are logical. Have one or two strong opinions in the sequence and build around those kind of horses. But a horse like Carolina, I, I would use her. I would certainly use Wedding Toast and the Distaff, and I would lean fairly heavily on those two. You mentioned the juvenile fillies, and we've got a wonderful East-West matchup, don't we, with Rachel's Valentina, undefeated, beautiful pedigree, Songbird from the West Coast, undefeated, beautiful pedigree. I'm going to try to upset the apple cart with a horse that's been chasing Songbird in vain in her last two races, and that's Landover Sea. And like Carolina, Landover Sea finished second in her most recent prep race, and I don't think she went to the bottom of her reserves there. 
Songbird got an easy lead over a speed-friendly track in 100-degree heat. Land Oversea tried hard, perhaps not hard enough again to take all the starch out of her. I'm hoping someone runs with Songbird. She drew a tough outside post position, and she's going to have to work to get to her customary spot on the lead. Land Oversea conversely draws a nice inside post position, and I think she's just going to be a, a two-turn filly that keeps getting better. And if you give her a little bit of pace, she's an interesting exotic horse at 8-1 to one or so. Well, Dan, uh, another horse uh, that I got to see today and that I've been listening to some of the interviews from Europe is Alice Springs. It seems as that a lot of the guys you know, that make book over in Europe think that this is one to watch. Six to one morning line, and I noticed that it was one of the ones that you mentioned in your column. She's a very professional filly. I'm not sure she's the most brilliant two-year-old filly we've ever seen, but she's extremely professional, and she has good tactical speed. She doesn't strike me as one of these Europeans, you know, they're slow out of the gate, and since they're just so much better than our North American horses, they're able to overcome the tactical disadvantage. I think she's tactical. I think she's professional. Uh, she draws a nice, solid inside post position. Uh, she'll be in the thick of things turning for home. We'll see how good she is, but she got a confidence boost last time out. She'd been knocking heads with some really good Group 1 caliber fillies over there in Europe, and last time out they dropped her into a very rich handicap allowance race. It was about a $300,000 purse, uh, and she won as a 2-5 to five favorite, and like a 2-5 to five favorite should. I'm hoping that race got her confidence up, and it's obviously a tough race because you've got two-year-old fillies. They're vastly improving all the time. I think Alice Springs is... is with the post position and her form and her connections, uh, she could very well be the most likely winner of that race. But boy, last waltz intrigues me. That post just really hurts post position 14. I like the things she did overseas, and now she's with the great Chad Brown. Yes, I made a note on uh, several horses. Of course, my notebook's so packed, I, I don't have them all in front of you. That a couple of horses that uh, if, if they had not drawn the outside post, I'd probably be a lot more confident in them. Now, with with what we've said about some of the upsetters, um, who can we try to save some money with? I mean, is Golden Horn that much of a great horse that we singled that horse in the Breeders' Cup turf? And despite not winning yet this year, uh, coming out of a very uh, troubled trip uh, in the Turf Club of America uh, on her home court, could Judy the Beauty be a single? I don't know if Judy the Beauty can be a single. I think you have to use her because uh, she's such a solid horse, and she's going to get a great pace set up, stalking a fast pace. But this year, it's been a stop-and-start campaign, it seems. Uh, she just doesn't have shown the same pop that she did in 2014. I would much rather use a horse like Wavell Avenue, another Chad Brown-trained horse that seems to be coming into form at the right time and rallied against uh, La Verdad last time out when that one just shook loose on the she had no chance. Uh, a much better pace situation for Wavell Avenue. I think you have to use her in cavorting in that race. As for Golden Horn, he's probably the most likely single on the card. And I know some of the Europeans are a bit worried about softish ground and the inside post position, but on paper, he is just 
way the best horse in the race by a large margin. And I think most people are going to think that way. Uh, if you're using the ticket maker application, Golden Horn is your A. If you wanted to use 1C as a backup because this is horse racing and there's no sh- uh, such thing as a sure thing, uh, I wouldn't blame anyone there. But I think a lot of folks are going to be singling American Pharaoh. They're going to be singling Golden Horn, and they might want to spread in some of these other races. Well, that is uh, great advice coming from Dan Elman, one of the country's top handicappers. Now, Dan, uh, I think you're going to have to uh, bring a large cup of coffee because on DRF Live this week, you're going to be pretty much a busy man. Can you lay the schedule out for our listeners? Again, we'll be starting 2 o'clock for the first stakes race on the Keeneland card tomorrow before, of course, the Breeders' Cup races. There are a couple of preliminary stakes. Mike Beer and I will be in the studio, and throughout the day we'll be joined by uh, all of our great uh, handicappers and reporters out in the field, Mike Watchmaker, Marty McGee. He, Byron King, Marcus Hirsch, uh, Matt Bernier, who's participating in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, will be there to give us some updates. So we'll have, you know, up-to-the-minute coverage, live on-the-scene reporting, uh, and we'll be doing that from 2 p.m. Eastern tomorrow through the Breeders' Cup distaff. And then Saturday, we will begin bright and early, 10.30 a.m., get ready for the entire Keeneland card all the way through the Classic. And again, we'll have all of our folks on-scene giving us live updates and reports throughout the day. Well, thanks a million, Dan. I love listening to you, and I love DRF Live. Wish you a great Breeders' Cup weekend. Hope you cash some tickets, my friend. Uh, It's always a pleasure, John. Best of luck to you and to everyone listening out there. (laughs) All right. We've been talking with Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. We're going to take a quick break and back with one of my favorite people in the world. Jenny Reese is going to tell us about uh, reinvention. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, one of my favorite people, not only in racing, but in the world, and that's Jenny Reese. And, uh, well, I told you a little bit about seeing Jenny last night. The last time you saw Jenny, she had a microphone held up to the uh, voice of uh, Bob Baffert and Ahmet Zayat down at back at the barn this morning, working as hard as she can. Some people pull up in the final furlong, but, Jenny, you're finishing with a flurry. Tell our listeners what's going on in your life. 
Well, um, you know, I just, you know, if you know, John, my husband's a trainer and I spent a lot of time at, in his barn and helping that. And just, it just kind of became clear the last year or so that I was more interested in being part of the racetrack world than the newsroom world. You know, I still really, I love journalism and want to use my communication skills. I love telling a good story. And if I may shamelessly pitch the story in the Career Journal this morning, I read a feature about um, Dale Romans and his how dyslexia had yes. him, basically, and how his mom refused to let him fall through the cracks. And, I read it. You no, know, he thought he was stupid growing up. Obviously, anybody talks to Dale knows he's not stupid and what it gets. And it was something Dale was really wanting to be forthcoming about because he wants other people to know, other kids and other moms to know and, and dads to know that that these are very intelligent people. They just learn differently. He doesn't like the term um, learning disabilities. He said we just learn differently. Having said that, so I'm, um, you know, digressing, but I love that kind of story. The only thing frustrating is like for your couple weeks, you don't have as much time to put into the story as you'd like to. But um, anyways, so, but it's just thought that I need, I want to, you know, be an advocate for horsemen, and I want to be uh, into fan education with this track, and I, I, I'm just thinking about doing some different things. And then this buyout, a corporate-wide buyout, it wasn't anything that I was targeted for by any means. I think I could have worked at the Courier Journal as long as I wanted to. I've loved working at the Courier Journal. But this time, this time in my life, I think I have another 10, 15 years that I w- would want to work. And um, there's an opportunity, because I'm going to get paid for a year, to do a lot of different projects. And I'm very, very excited about it. And as, as you mentioned, I'm going to it's retiring. I'm reinventing myself. And, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, I did, I- I did read the story that you wrote about Dale Romans, Jenny, and, and that's the kind of thing you've done throughout your whole career is found things out about people that nobody else knew about, and you opened up their eyes to them. And if you can get in a position where you can do that to continue to trumpet our sport, talk about some of the great people that are, that are in it and how well they take care of their horses and the, the stories that revolve around the people on the backstretch, I, I think you're just made for that. Maybe you should be my agent because that you summed it up much nicely, much tidier than I did. But that's exactly the kind of thing I want to I want to do. I want to like I realized after 32 years of covering horse racing, I have opinions on some things. I just didn't want to be the dispassionate um, beat rider, you know, trying to present both sides. And sometimes I don't think there's another side. And when I think things are underreported, and I think that there's things that need to be, you know, um, you know, stories that need to be told, and I really want to be that conduit. I want to, I want to really, you know, uh, help promote Kentucky racing and Kentucky horsemen and and owners. I think there's a lot of owners that are out there that have interesting stories that there's just not this conduit for that to get out. And I would love to. And now, mind you, I've got to figure this all out. I got a year to figure out how we can get paid to do this, but um, I, I think that this first year I'm going to work for a lot of different ventures, which is very exciting. I can see some tracks, and um, you know, I think some horsemen's organizations, and I'm 
extremely excited about it. Well, I, I don't often see you, uh, you know, knocked over, but I did last night when uh, at the Turf Riders Awards banquet, along with Tom Hammond, Tim Layton, Kathy Shank, and our good friend Bill Mooney, that from out of the blue, uh, Alicia Wintz-Hughes, Claire Novak, and Nicole Russo step up on stage and call you out. They're, you're, they're there with your Bud Light in your hand, and they made you get up on stage. How shocked well, were you because you truly looked it? I got to tell you, Mike Kane, our buddy Mike Kane, he handed me that Bud Light on the way up there. But anybody that knows me knows I'm a Bud Light drinker, right? You know me. You always stock it up when I'm um, there. <laughs> Except when Miller rent. was sponsoring the Cradle Face. But anyways, um, um, yeah, they, I, it, was, it, was, it was over, and they, we just honored Team American Pharaoh, and that was expected to be the end of the dinner, and I was flummoxed. Um, had no idea they announced that there's going to be a $2,000 scholarship at my alma mater IU for a sports writer that preferably is interested in, you know, turf riding. And I was blown away. And what really struck me, John, is these three women, Alicia, you know, Claire Novak from the Blood Horse, and Nicole Russo from the Daily Racing Club, that, you know, their heart felt that, they got up there and they orchestrated this and talked about how they felt that, you know, how I had helped them. And I was, I mean, there went my mascara. I can tell you right there. It was pretty amazing. And then off the blue, you know, I had to like say something, something like, oh, my, my, my. but it was really cool because, it, you know, a lot of things fell into place. And one was the triple crown. I finally covered the triple crown in deciding you know, my career decision. And, you know, that's the point of Robin said, who knew what it was going to look like in the digital era having a triple crown winner? Said it's the right horse, you know, the right people that want it. And they really, it's just it, been an extraordinary year. And I think, what if, and then you have the British Cup of Keelan, and I'm going to end my career there. I mean, how? The only thing I'm sad about is Beholder today, and the news that she's not running because she gals and they scoped her routine um, scope because she they just wanted to make sure everything was okay with her and she bled and she sat around but the only way to me that you could have improved on having a triple crown winner in the Breeders' Cup was having a mare like her in there because that sure brings a lot of attention but um, it's still going to be a great race but just like perfect time to I don't want to say bow out but like, go do something else. But, uh, you know, but just things, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, for a writer, everybody lost their big headline, like the, the, the new Zenyatta taking on the big kid on the block with American Pharaoh and her. And obviously, it's going to change the complexion of the race quite a bit. And I noticed that it Mike Battaglia already because changed the Because who's going to put the pressure on American Pharaoh? He figured it was going to be both, especially from the outside boat. Yeah, um, and you know we've already seen what 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 happened in 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 the Travers when uh, Frost had tried to do it. It won't be Fro- that was that was because there was a late jockey change. I really believe it would have been yes. different, and who knows how that race would have set up had had uh, Joe um, Rosario, Joe Rosario, not been hurt. You know, right. like an hour before the race. Um, but it's funny, everybody said that they went to win the race and all that. I think, 
Well, they were trying to win the race, but that wasn't the tactics they were trying to do. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's all a great misdirection play. Maybe Frosted does go out again with him. I don't know. But Somebody's going to have to It's a really interesting race. These are really interesting race. I think the dispatch is try to come up with a winner in there. I mean, you got the favorite at 4-1, to one, second choice 9-2, to two, but they, they don't have to win those two. I mean, I'll tell you what, in the dispatch, I think you look for value, and there's a couple of horses I'm really interested that, uh, I can't pronounce it, Yalawa, uh, since their third place series about being a neck for everything. She's 20 to 1, and she's training great. I mean, she just seems like she loves this track. And I think a horse like Frivolous, even, at 30 to 1, could hit yes. the board. I mean, to me, in the distance, you look for value. I couldn't believe Frivolous was at 30 to 1. I mean, it's not like just because she won that one race at Churchill that she's fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah, well, you've got, she beats on the square, she beats Sheer Drama, and Sheer Drama's 9 to 2, and she's 30 to 1. So, I mean, yeah. to me, that's very interesting. I like Stop Charging Maria, too. She's trained really well here, worked well here. Um, I'm going to give you my little steam for tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> And the horse drew a bad post position. But Bill Knott and I, going back to, like, 1990, when he had a two-year-old named Take Me Out that was running against Slice So Free, and he told me, he said, we might just be there to upset the apple cart. And the horse was, like, 30 to 1. And finished second. So Slice So Free, he was the unbeaten champion. I was a big exactor, but that's so much respect for Bill Knott. You know, I had the exact in the paper. So ever since then, I've asked him who his apple cart horse is. It's kind of a joke between. But he has this amazing, when he gives me this record, like Courageous Cat was 33 to 1 and nearly beat Goldacova the one year in the Breeders' Cup. Mom, he gave me phrase who won the turf, beat the big, um, the Canadian horse that was a big favorite that year. So I was asking him the other day, who's your apple cart horse? And he said, uh, gliding by. And the next morning, I'm in the press box, and this horse, and nobody seems to know this horse. John run one time. She's in the Juno Phillies turf. Oh, the Juno Phillies turf. He broke okay, her Flipping pages looking for this horse. Yeah. And, and he goes, well, Glenn, by might be my battle card horse. I mean, so anyways, I bring this up to the clockers. She works. But they didn't, like, at first they didn't, and they were like, and then I'm telling them the story, and they're like, he thinks... You're his, maybe like it's good luck because, but he doesn't give you like bad information. He gives you good information. And, you know, who's to say, you know, anybody could win that race, but he's going to be a huge prize. And he's my apple card horse. I, I don't want to post 12 for, you know, but I got to go with it because he's, the, those apple card horses are pretty good. And Matt's not going to give you bad information, and he doesn't run many, that many two-year-olds. So, you know, if he feels that, uh, you know, this, this filly's ready, and I'll tell you what, that was a hell of a close she made the last time. She's getting uh, Lasix for the first time. She has gone yeah. a mile he, on the turf. So there's, there's there's a lot of pluses there that are obviously easily overlooked with a well, 30 the other to one thing after is he also has a favorite in Harmonize. He, you've got to, like, Harmonize also the Cassie filly in there, too. But how many times have we seen... When a trainer has two horses in a stake race, not different owners, and so there's obviously many factors involved. 
But they don't have them in there because they don't think they can win. And they're, the other horse is a big price, and the other horse is a short price. Not that they're playing the, I don't mean to say that at all, but they just, they think both horses deserve a chance on their own merit. And so that's my, um, I, and I'll tell you the other thing is um, limousine liberal in the sprint. All right. Well, we got Jenny Reese's Smokers right there. And, Jenny, I will see you down at Keeneland tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. And, uh, yeah, if you want me to be your uh, agent for your your reinvention over the next 12 months, I'll be happy to take that job. <laughs> well, you know, I love you, John. And I don't know if your listeners know, but you were the photographer at our wedding all those years ago and everything, and a great friend, and I always enjoy it puts a smile on my face whenever I see John Engelhart for short. Well, that that's uh, that goes both ways, Jenny, and I will see you tomorrow at the Breeders' Cup. Thanks for spending time with us this evening. All righty. Take care. Take care. All right. Another person that puts a smile on my face is Rich Ng. He's out in Las Vegas. He's going to be with us to uh, take us through a few races, uh, Some see if he's got some smokers up his sleeve. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> Is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neill. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, we've had a lot of great guests on the show tonight. Dan Elman, Jenny Reese, and now another one that uh, his voice is not a strange one to the listeners of Winning Ponies, and that's Rich Ng out there with the Las Vegas Review Journal and the Daily Racing Forum, the author of Handicapping for Dummies. Rich, I got you on the tail end of the show, and I know it's hard to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack, but uh, I'm putting you on the spot, and I've asked uh, all the people we've had on the show tonight, how you view the complexion of the classic changing with the defection of Beholder. Well, you know, it's really unfortunate to, to lose her, but, you know, the fact is if her condition merited uh, being scratched by Richard Mandela, then we're certainly, you know, she's in good hands. And knock on wood, we hope she comes back next year and then runs it as a six-year-old here in, in 2016. But, you know, the way it affects the uh, pace scenario is, I had pre- thought that she would stalk American Pharaoh. American Pharaoh, I thought, would have a 
a pretty easy time in a lead, especially without Liam's map uh, entering in that race, went in the dirt mile instead, John. And uh, now without the holder, it's really a paceless race. So it just makes things a lot easier for American Pharaoh. And unless uh, one of the other horses, like a smooth roller or somebody like that, decides to make a suicide run up early, like, like maybe Frosted tested uh, him in the Travers, I think uh, Victor Espinosa could have an easy time on a lead. Lone Speed is the, the best bet in horse racing. Yeah, and to be honest with you, it wouldn't break my heart if it happened, Rich, because it would be, you know, the Zayats and Baffert have been great with how they shared this horse with the racing public, and uh, they're so giving. He ended up giving 100000 I don't know if you heard this or not, he gave $100,000 to the Turf Riders last night for scholarships. I mean, oh, my people, goodness. Yeah, he, from out of the blue, nobody knew about it. And uh, so all of a sudden he announces it, and everybody's looking around the room going, whoa, 100 grand, you know. <laughs> we're, we're having a silent auction hoping we made 10. And so, uh, uh, but like I said, the, the horse uh, couldn't have been in better hands as far as PR is concerned. And for him uh, to go out at the top, you know that they were kind of pressed to go in the Travers. You know, I think you'll know that Baffert really didn't want to go in that race. And... Uh, and they lost it, and it took some of the polish off him. But should he go out with the Grand Slam, as they're now calling it, uh, it sure wouldn't hurt racing. No, it, it wouldn't hurt racing at all. And, uh, you know, Bob Baffert, I think, has done a, uh, from, from this distance, has done a marvelous job from the Travers to this point, getting this horse, uh, the gas tank full, and getting this horse ready to run what hopefully will be the best race of his life. And, uh, he's going to need to to be the real talented field. And if he goes out with a, a Breeders' Cup Classic win, uh, how sweet it is! And then uh, we'll start looking for little babies to come in a couple of years. It will be interesting. I did watch him gallop this morning, as I've said several times on the show today. And let me tell you, he was jumping out of his skin. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have the arms of the exercise rider that was on him at the time. But you know, uh, uh, as far as you looking at the card. Um, what I'm trying to find, because there's so many wide open races, are mm-hmm. are there any races that you can on a a, a ticket single? Well, I think there's a, a few standouts. Uh, I think the first one that comes to mind is the Liam's Map and the Dirt Mile. Uh, if he had run in the Classic and entered in the Classic, uh, actually, I would have liked his chances in the Classic. But uh, he's such a fast, classy animal. I think the Mile's going to suit him real well and. I think he's going to be a real tough horse to beat in the, the dirt mile tomorrow. And the, a filly that I've seen run all the races in Southern California is the two-year-old juvenile filly, Songbird, 7 to 5 in the morning line. But she has been just phenomenal. In fact, I, I really believe if she ran in the juvenile, she would have a heck of a chance you know, to beat the boys. She's so far advanced at this early stage of her career, but... Um, I really think she's a single in the uh, juvenile fillies uh, also. So there's, there's two singles right there, Liam's Map and Songbird, in my point of view. How about the horse that's really being touted from across the pond, Golden Horn? John Gotson, this guy is just sensational. Well, you know, the angle that, that I took for handicapping the, the grass races is I really think the European contingent is a cut above the American horses and Golden Horn may be a cut above the European contingent, if <laughs> the case may be, with all those Group 1 wins and, and just a, a sensational animal. And uh, the only way I really think that he loses would be if uh, he beats himself in some way, shape, or form. But 
if he shows up uh, the way that he's been in those Group 1 races overseas, uh, he's the best animal in the race by far. Unattractive price at 4 to 5, but if he gets the job done as a single, you, know, you just move on to the next. Yeah, well, again, you know, there's so many opportunities, and there's so many of these, uh, you know, like, like like juvenile races where you could go deep. The one thing I did notice about a golden horn, because it's like, oh, geez, you know, he, he drew the rail. But it's a mile-and-a-half race. He's never been beaten in a mile-and-a-half. And I, and I looked at some of his European running lines, and it's like lead early, straight to the uh, lead, wide early. So he's probably got a little bit of juice where Frankie DeTore can get a good position with him and, and not, get, not get covered up. And certainly, you know, the, the mile-and-a-half is, is not a question. So it'll, it'll be very interesting. But, you know, I, I've got to say of all of the horses we're going to see over the next two days, this horse has competed and won more Group one races than any horse we're going to witness. And the thing about Frankie Dottori is, is he has so much experience riding in the U.S. and the, the top flight competition and, and many many grass races that uh, he's a smart jockey, smart as far as you know North American style and how the pace scenario would be. Sometimes we see some of the European jockeys who don't go get over here as much uh, basically have some trouble trying to to uh, navigate, uh, maybe uh, settle their horse behind other horses. Uh, in, in a way that's not the same as over uh, when they race in Europe or France or England. But uh, Frankie's uh, got a lot of experience in U.S. racing, so I think he'll carve out a nice trip, and uh, we'll see how he does. Um, any other races uh, of interest for you, either value-wise or, or strength-wise? Well, in my mind, one of the most wide-open races uh, to me is sprint. It's a really, really outstanding field. And, uh, you know, you've got a horse like Private Zone who's just uh, as, as tough as Hickory and uh, certainly deserving of the morning line favoritism. But, you know, then we've seen the, the phenomenal efforts of uh, Run Happy, uh, track record wins and things like that. There's just an awful lot of gas uh, on the front end. Even a horse like Masochistic, who we've, I've seen in Southern California quite a bit, uh, prefers and likes to run and sets a very fast pace. So, in my mind, there's a potential for, you know, a, a pace meltdown in the sprint. And with that being the case, uh, I know I selected some closers to, to try to run over the top of them. But uh, I could be wrong, but I could be right, too. Uh, I went for uh, uh, three price horses, actually, one, two, three. I went for a wild dude, a horse that yes. I've seen many times get a nice trip. Uh, hopefully, Rafael Bejarano can finally, finally break through and win a, a big classic race like this. Uh, a horse that's been... Uh, a sleeper in New York, he's always kind of come up short, second and third, but always running big at the end is uh, Saludos Amigos. I went for him as my second choice, the 10 horse. And I went for another California closer, the 12 Big Mocker, at 20 to 1 is my third choice. So I'm taking a stand that the, the, the race is going to fall apart and closers are going to be just rallying all from all over the place. Oh, I was really impressed with Wild Dude's last race, one that I know that uh, you, you saw in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship, a grade one. And you, you look at this horse, and in the past performances lines, you've got, you got to go down about 13 races when it has not run in a graded stakes race, and mostly in grade twos and grade ones, that being a grade one. But normally, Wild Dude seems to be able to sit a little bit closer to the pace and, and then pounce. I'm not sure what happened last time, but it was 13 lengths back at the half mile mile and this is in the six furlong race and still gets up to win by a neck yeah that was a suicide run and you look at the second horse kobe's back uh, 
who is a, another deep closer from Southern California. And I toyed with uh, using Kobe's back to I might still use him on the ticket that I put together, but his problem, Kobe's back, is his last handful of races, he has just got off to a terrible start, spotting the field five, eight, ten lengths. I don't know if he can do that in the Breeders' Cup Sprint and still uh, pass uh, 13 other horses. Well, I'll tell you what, my tickets are going to have your long shots on it, but my heart's going to be with Run Happy. You love seeing a horse come from Turfway Park, Fairgrounds, Indiana, Ellis Park, and then move on up the ladder to Saratoga and Keeneland and be as impressive as Run Happy has been for uh, the the trainer, Maria Burrell. Well, Rich, listen, I know this is going to be a busy week, and it is a busy week for you. If anybody's in Vegas or online, how can they uh, tune in on your selections as we close into tomorrow and Saturday. Well, I have a Friday column in the Review Journal. Uh, they can get it uh, hard copy here in Vegas or in Nevada, or get it on the internet. Just go to uh, www.reviewjournal.com. Go to the sports section tomorrow morning, and you'll see my thoughts on some of the races, not all of them. And also, uh, I did a, a podcast for uh, the William Hill, the uh, the William Hill Betting Company, and uh, they can listen to that podcast at the www.williamhill.com us backslash racing but uh, the podcast should be up there and then i go over uh, more races there all right well listen rich thanks for spending time with us tonight i know that uh, we could have talked for an hour but that's all the time i got i appreciate it very much and best of luck to you out there in las vegas well you have a wonderful time at the breeders cup and uh, this is one time i definitely would like to switch places with you and be at keelan the next couple of years. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll hoist one in your honor at the end of the day on Saturday. We've been talking with Rich Ng. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dan Elman and congratulate Jenny Reese. And I want I hope all of you guys pull down those easy win forms. Don't forget our contest at Winning Ponies. Go to the website. All the details are there. WinningPonies.com. I'm John Engelhart. We're going to close out the show as once again I look across the manicured turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky and remind you that even on Breeders' Cup Day. Bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.